everyone. Welcome to another episode of AI Buzz. My name is Nick. Thank you for joining me today. I have some more awesome artificial intelligence and machine learning news stories to share with you today. As always, some really cool things going on. Today I'm going to be talking about AutoML from Google. I'm going to be talking about DeepMind AI working with Greek artifacts that have been uncovered going to be talking about the agriculture industry and how it can be enhanced and uh, benefit from uh, both drones and artificial intelligence. Going to be talking about this really interesting technology called Swarm Touch, combination of uh, swarm technology and drones. So really cool there. And lastly, going to talk about a very generous gift from a tech entrepreneur to Indiana University. It is AI related. These are the stories I'll be talking about today. Thank you for being here and let's get started. So first up, I'm going to be talking about Google's AutoML. So what does that mean exactly? AutoML, um, it's easy to think about a Skynet type situation where it's creating better AI, creating, um, you know, new concepts and stuff when you hear AutoML. Um, it's a cool name, very cool name, but let me just explain exactly what it is. So in deep learning, uh, one of the probably, yeah, probably the most important part of deep learning, I would say from a human perspective, is ensuring that your, besides making sure your data is input correctly, so scaled, um, all that, making sure there's no, you know, missing values, you know, all, all these types of data cleaning things. Besides that, that's really, really important. And besides having good data to start with, the most important part of machine learning is determining the right architecture of your model. So in deep learning, the reason it's called deep is because there's many layers of uh, different, uh, you know, different dense layers that are usually being implemented and the model's being trained on. That's why it's called deep because there's, 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 it can be many, many different layers. So some of the really popular models that have been released from Google, Facebook, those types of companies they have like 10, 15 layers of, um, in their neural networks. And each of these layers has millions of parameters typically. So take all that data, crunch it through all these layers, and it's able to really find some wild insights into your data. So in order for it to really be as useful as possible, you have to make sure your architecture is spot on. You have to make sure that you have the number of nodes at each layer kind of keyed in. You need to make sure that um, you're not overfitting. You need to make sure that your parameters in the model uh, are all tuned properly. Your learning rate, so learning rate is kind of how fast it's going to try to optimize um, the fit to your data. So if you have a really high learning rate, it will take kind of big jumps in, uh, in trying to optimize the fit to your 
to your data. Um, if you have a slower learning rate, it'll take it'd be a lot more gradual, but it could actually get stuck in a, kind of a local rut, a local minimum. And um, so usually you have to really have to tune a lot of parameters in deep learning models to make sure they're optimized, make sure that you get the absolute best performance out of your deep learning model. Turns out Google is helping us out once again. They've been working on this thing called AutoML, which is not really recreating and inventing new AI. It's automating that process of fine-tuning deep learning networks. So its goal is really to find the right architecture and then automate the tuning of all those different parameters, which really can be tedious and take a ton of time. So if you could just kind of upload your data and let it work through all that, let it run overnight, let it run for a day or two, and have it spit out what is the best uh, structure and parameters for your data, that that is really game-changing. So Google working on this. Jeff Dean, one of their top researchers, uh, he's a very famous uh, AI researcher. He's been at Google for several years. He is working on this, and he's one of the lead figures of this project. And really the goal here is to help companies that are on the smaller side that want to be doing things with deep learning. Um, they, won't be, they won't need a massive research team to begin developing deep learning models. This will essentially automate that whole process and kind of take the, you know, kind of take the requirement to have a deep learning scientist on staff. So right now, AutoML is offered through their cloud platform. It is not free, so you have to pay uh, to use this model. Uh, but they say you can essentially, um, you know, upload your data and it will spit out the best architecture and uh, best parameters for your data. So that's huge. That is really, really cool. Um, unfortunately, it's just a cloud uh, service right now. And, um, but you know, it's, it's, really, it's really a step towards the direction of automating things from end to end. Automating the full process of uh, the model because really anytime you have a human doing some some guesswork especially with the parameter tuning like oh my goodness you know in some of the Kaggle competitions that I've done you know it's you what you typically would do is you, you do what's called a grid search so a grid search is uh, you have a parameter a set of parameters and then you will, you'll give it kind of like a range of these parameters you want it to sweep through. So say you have five parameters, you want it to try five values of each parameter. It would try 25 different models with those 25 different sets of parameters and then um, kind of spit out the results, find the best one. That's called a grid search. But each of those parameters, you might not hit the optimal value. And, you know, there's still just a lot of guesswork as a human. So why not automate that too? That makes a ton of sense. One thing that I also learned about that I'm definitely going to use from now on uh, when I was researching AutoML is 
something called AutoCaris. So Keras is a uh, potentially one of the most used deep learning libraries. It's it's personally my favorite. It's very user friendly, makes a ton of sense. Uh, you can use a TensorFlow backend with this model. So AutoCaris, that is just released open source. You can run it on your local machine. You don't need to be paying for Google's cloud service to use AutoCaris. Uh, so I'd, I'd highly recommend you check out that at least. Uh, but if you're, you know, if you're interested in enterprise deep learning, AutoML, I think, and really the cloud compute, cloud AI platform that Google's working on is uh, state of the art, of course. Really cool news out of Google. They're going to keep coming out with just some great tools for machine learning and can't wait to see what they come up with next. Next story is actually kind of Google as well. Um, so several years ago, Google purchased a company called DeepMind. Um, to Europe, started over in Europe and then uh, was acquired by Google around the time that DeepMind beat the world champion Lee Sedol, uh, Lee Sedol in Go, the ancient uh, board game of Go. And then afterwards, Google bought DeepMind. And ever since, they've really been coming out with some cool things. Uh, today, I have a great story for you. Um, they're applying it to a really interesting field of kind of art recovery. So in a previous episode, I talked about how uh, there is an old Picasso that um, was essentially uh, Picasso had kind of sketched out something that he wanted to paint. And then he, so he sketched this on canvas, kind of started the painting process, and then decided, well, you know what? I'm going to uh, change this completely, painted right over it. Um, and, you know, that work is kind of, kind of lost. But we were able to see it with x-rays. You're able to see kind of the outline of, you know, the starter uh, piece of work that he did. And then what AI did is it looked at that outline and kind of filled in the blanks and recreated what they what it thinks it would have looked like based on his uh, portfolio of other art pieces. So AI can really it can it can learn patterns through just tons of data and then kind of fill in missing holes for us. And that's what DeepMind did for some ancient Greek relics, ancient Greek artifacts that have inscriptions, so Greek letters, Greek characters inscribed onto them. And since these artifacts are so old, um, you know, of course, some have been damaged, some have been weathered, uh, some are missing, um, broken off entirely. And the art restoration industry, or uh, kind of... Uh, what do you even call it? The art restoration group of the world, let's call them, want to, of course, kind of see what these missing characters were. So machine learning is great for that. DeepMind has applied, uh, applied a deep learning uh, model to almost 35,000 ancient Greek objects 
They call this model Pythia, and so it studied 35,000 objects and essentially had this model guess words of special characters uh, that are missing from the, the stone or ceramic or metal materials that they, they had. And um, for each missing character, Pythia, it will create 20 suggested characters of what it thinks it could be. So the goal behind that is to kind of assist uh, art restorers and kind of narrow down the set of characters that it, it could possibly be. Instead of it, instead of having it literally be any any character, it'll hopefully take take a little bit of the guesswork out and make it a little easier on on those folks. Uh, but it turns out um, DeepMind did a fantastic job with Pythia because what they were able to do is they showed it uh, 2,949 inscriptions, a very exact number of inscriptions that were damaged or missing, and compared the performance of Pythia to that of human experts. And uh, it worked. It worked really, really well. And um, they found that Pythia was 30% more accurate. Humans made 30% more mistakes than the model. Also, this is a huge uh, takeaway from this, it took the humans, the human experts, shouldn't just be calling them humans, <laughs> took the human experts two hours to get through 50 of them. So it took two hours to get through 50. 2,900 must have taken... My terrible math says about 120 total hours. Pythia did all of them in a handful of seconds. So, yeah, that's really highlighting the power of some deep learning models being applied to really cool uh, kind of fields that you people probably didn't think about applying deep learning to, such as this. Uh, you know, it's really going to make art restoration, um, some of this recovery work, go a lot more smoothly. And also, apparently, a much more accurate as well. So it's going to speed things up. We'll, we'll get, you know, we'll be able to learn sort of some of this lost information that previously we thought was lost. And we didn't have the human manpower to really recover it and spent all those hours on it. Now we can kind of train a model to do a lot of that for us. Really cool work out of DeepMind AI, and as always, it's a pleasure reporting on their awesome models work, and can't wait to see what they come up with next. It's probably between DeepMind and OpenAI, which are my favorite like bleeding-edge machine learning companies. Just love hearing anything related to those guys. Next up... Next story. Okay, so we have art restoration, art history. We have ancient Greeks switching to another awesome application of machine learning. Agriculture. So agriculture is actually benefiting quite a bit from AI. I've read several stories uh, past several years, well, more than several. I've, I've read quite a bit about how drones can really assist in agriculture 
And then on top of that, adding in a machine learning element can, can really help with uh, several factors in farming and essentially increase profits for, you know, some of these farmers that are, can be, you know, struggling. If they, if they're having a rough crop year, they can help identify problems and uh, work to rectify anything that's going wrong. And so this story that I'll talk about in particular, it's based on a startup spun out of Cambridge University called Outfield Technologies over in England. And they are working on using the drones to essentially fly over apple orchards and try to count the number of blossoms or the number of uh, apples or fruits on the trees within those orchards. And what they're able to do with surprising accuracy and they're able to do it very quickly because they can do it from the air and kind of canvas a, a large area, they're able to then kind of predict um, they're able to predict how they're going to be able to, uh, how much fruit they're going to need to store once uh, it's harvested, how many uh, employees they'll need to have uh, at work at a single time. They'll be able to tell where their crop is in its growth cycle. Uh, the you know, and if it's if it's if it's doing poorly, they'll be able to see that really quickly in their yield and try to fix things. So this this new startup, Outfield Technologies, it's you know gonna try to make uh, farming as profitable as possible for these really hard working men and women. And uh, you know it, it's gonna optimize some of these other factors for them. Uh, so hiring people, storing their, their harvest, and you know it could potentially decrease the prices for us on the other end as consumers. If, if they don't have to pay as much money to make it or harvest it, grow it, I should be saying, then we want to pay as much money to, uh, to eat it, most likely. So it's a win-win. Outfield Technologies is the name of the company. And again, it's over, spun out of Cambridge, but they say they have international interest in their technology. So I think it will, uh, it will certainly make its way over the ocean over to United States of America. Can't wait to see what they do. Um, really excited to see how this gets applied to the agriculture industry. Swarm touch. Oh, I didn't do, I didn't do the next up. All right, next up, swarm touch. This is awesome. This is based on a, a paper out of the Skolkovo Institute of Science and Technology in Russia. They have this this thing called Swarm Touch, which uses a combination of drones and uh, kind of a human computer interface. So they have this sort of mitt that you can wear and control a swarm of drones, which is which is wicked wicked cool. And the whole whole idea of swarm technology is just fascinating because you have these these little worker like nano drones is what they they call them nano quadcopters. So you have these this this network of little workers and you know up to now it's done on a pretty small scale, you know, not like hundreds of these things. But think about if we can make these little robots 
extremely cheap to make. You can have a little army of whatever little robot you'd like, have it, have it interact together as a swarm to accomplish something. And yeah, I'm just fascinated with, with swarm technology. It's really, really cool. Um, I was just thinking, combine that with the story I just covered before with the apple orchards with outfield technologies, what if instead of a single drone, you had canvassing these, these huge apple orchards? What if you had a swarm of drones that, you know, um, the owner of the, of the orchard could kind of, you know, maybe stand in his house or something and uh, kind of be watching out over the orchard and be moving his hand and have this, um, this swarm of drones, each spaced... 100 yards apart or 50 yards apart and kind of be sweeping it across the orchard be able to canvas that entire orchard very very quickly and then instead of you know maybe just looking at a certain part of the orchard and kind of saying oh well my whole orchard if if one eighth of my orchard looks like this uh you know multiply everything by eight that's that's what my crop's going to be you can actually get a much more accurate prediction if you're um, canvassing the entire thing. So combining swarm technology with that computer vision and uh, predictive analytics for, uh, for seeing what your crop yield will be, I think could be really powerful. Last up and next up. Next up and last up. Indiana University. These guys are making a big push towards artificial intelligence and machine learning. And they've been in the news several times this year. And in the news this week, they've received a highly generous donation from an alum, Fred Luddy. He seems to be one of the uh, pioneers of kind of cloud services. He kind of created the first platform as a service. Um, and now cloud is is everywhere. So he, he uh, created this company called ServiceNow. It's a it's an automated IT help desk that resides in the cloud. And he donated sixty million dollars to Indiana University. And he sees the direction of the world going towards artificial intelligence and machine learning. So he wanted to uh, really fund those programs. And um, also, we wanted a school named after him, too. So <laughs> it's now called the Luddy School of Informatics and uh, Analytics. And yeah, Indiana University, they are really making a big push on, on, on that front. So this gift will enable them to do that even more. They're now going to have several endowed uh, professorship positions several regular professorship positions, and they're going to also offer a lot of scholarships to graduate and undergraduate students who choose to go there. This follows another story coming out of Indiana University earlier this year. They bought the fastest supercomputer owned by a university in the United States. They bought a uh, supercomputer that they're going to dedicate specifically to AI, and they're calling it the Big Red 200, which uh, is a, it's inspired by their uh, kind of school colors and school 
Yeah, so it's it's named after their school, the Big Red 200. It's not it's not like a generic product name that you can just go on Amazon and buy the Big Red 200. It's a custom thing that they paid tens and tens of millions of dollars for. So Indiana University is really strategically shifting focus towards these areas. They now have an extra $60 million to toss at it, and they have an awesome supercomputer. So we will likely be seeing some great things out of Indiana University, some good research. Uh, at the very least, we're going to be seeing um, the school change names to the Luddy School. And yeah, there will be a lot more degrees coming out of that school in that area uh, because of these developments. Can't wait to hear what they do. Indiana University. Nice work. All right. That's about everything I had for you today. I'm sure I'll be back very soon with new stories on the cutting edge of artificial intelligence and machine learning. There's always so much going on. There's an endless amount of things to cover. And every day, it's exciting. Can't wait to be back here soon. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of AI Buzz. My name is Nick. And have a good day. Bye.